0: Yuki chords. I drove out to the inner lake today and I interviewed my friend Ravi and his cool swinger pad. Not saying he's a swinger, but it's a pretty swinging pad. And this is what
1: we got. So Yeah, but that's funny about the the rabbits and the thump thump thump. <laughs> they
0: have really They have really strong, powerful leg muscles. The jumping they can do. I left my smoke, so I'll go grab them. I don't know where I put them. But I'll be right back. Sure. Okay. No, but this is also, we're recording, this is part of the episode, just... I'm going to holler from the car also. Okay.
1: Just <laughs> a lot of dead airspace right now, but... This is um, Kip Cope coming to visit me and... Winnipeg Beach, at my artist studio that I call Elsewhere, and it's nice to have him out. He's just down. I'm on the upstairs balcony, and he's down at the, in the driveway getting his cigarettes. And um, and then uh, it's ex- it's officially noon exactly, and uh, we're 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 having a beer, and he just arrived. I don't know. Luckily. Luckily, his grandmother lives in Boy, which is like not even 15 minutes drive from here, so he, after it's all said and done, he'll get to pay his grandmother a visit and surprise her, so it's making of a good day so far. Yeah, I was hoping you would play some of the guitars, too, um, and we would jam. We can do that right now. Because I, uh, I told um, Barb, I mean, sh- she's working downstairs right now, but uh, I wasn't sure if she had phone meetings or not. But, um, but yeah, I totally... Jeremy Ham actually restored one of my um, uh, 1940s Harmony uh, guitars, and, um, and he, he gave it back to me. He had it for a good year, and he took his time with it, which is fine because I wasn't in a rush to get it back. But um, he gave it back to me last year in March and it's really, you know, Jeremy Ham. he he makes, you know, Ham Tone guitars and um, he makes his own guitars, but he also does restorations and he does those workshops where he teaches, he shows people in a two week process to build your own guitar. And uh, he used to be set up in La Riviere, Manitoba. And um, he transitioned, he and his wife, Jess Reimer and the kids, they all moved to Winnipeg and um, they actually bought a house in Woolsey, and... Um, the world's greatest neighborhood. The world's greatest neighborhood. Minus your neighborhood. Right. <laughs> well, I lived in Wolseley. <laughs> I, I miss my Fawcett days. I, I lived right on Fawcett back... When I was in university, there was an apartment block, and then, like, 20 years later, that apartment block became condos, and uh, so I rented for, for a bit, um, and I had a roommate, it was a, it was affordable, but now it got a little. You gotta know it's, you gotta be in the know to get a really good deal at Mosley. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, but that guitar you should totally check out because um, uh, my friend Harold Mitchell, his dad used to work for the CBC, and, uh, and he was a big gear guy and he was like a CBC radio technician for the longest time like that was his sort of his career, and uh, when he died. He left Harold with a whole bunch of his odds and ends and tools and stuff and and gears. And anyways, when I told Harold that Jeremy was was restoring this guitar, Harold like went downstairs, opened up a box and he found a pickup and a volume and tone knob of the era from the 40s. And it was in pristine condition. And Jared was saying, like, he was looking online, and he said, oh, there's all these pickups that we could put on this guitar of the era, but it'll cost a few hundred bucks, and Harold was just like, here, take it. Put So that the pickup that's on the guitar is from Harold's dad's CBC days that he acquired somehow from some place. And, um, and the guitar is a nice, you know, at first I thought it was a Spanish uh, jazz guitar, but when I gave it to him, Jerry, he looked at it and he was like, "No, no, no! This is a harmony. This is this is like made in the states. This is like a this is a, like a, a super expensive baby." Yeah, he said it's a good find, and and that was a gift. My friend Tash Kosovan, who who's also like uh, in Winnipeg, she makes the snutzy, uh leather bags and leather bike bags, and le- she's she's she she's kind of uh, does all the craft sales, and she was she's big in. The wag when they do the crafted thing, she's been a part of that since the beginning, and she's also been on the main cover of it. She's featured, but uh, but um, she uh, is the one who gave me that guitar. She uh, had it for years, and um, and her 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 partner is like a musician, bass player more so, and she just said like, "Is it okay if I give Ravi that guitar for his birthday?" And this was like years ago. So Kevin was completely just fine with it. He's like, "Yeah, if you want to give it to him." So I've had this guitar, but it was in kind of a beat up shape that she kind of acquired. Supposedly, it fell off a truck. It's she was still, guitars are sturdy. Oh yeah, yeah. But she was driving through the 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 valleys and like the mountains of B.C. somewhere, and she she was she saw this she was following this truck and she watched this truck hit a bump and this guitar was in the back of the truck and that's how and it, it was acquired yeah and it fell out so she stopped to pick up this guitar and she tried to drive up to find the truck and give it back but the guy had driven off all like completely she couldn't find him, and so she was just like okay well she just so she it's had this now. guitar nice and it's she had it for fun, years keepers
0: losers weepers yeah
1: yeah, so that's how she had it and she always had it in her apartment at the time when she lived in Woolsey and and I would like cat sit at, her, at their place while they went on camping trips and I'd always play the guitar. I loved it and and I and I kept telling Tashas I, I was just like it's such a beautiful guitar and years later she basically gave it to me for my birthday and and yeah, in fact a lot of the guitars that I have that I acquired have been gifts. I think I've only bought three guitars out of the out of the many that I have that's impressive yeah it's got an inscription um, on it uh, and uh, and uh, and and and, uh, it's just of an era where it's like what is this thing it's just all over but Jared completely there was cracks in it and he sealed it and he, he put on new uh, frets on it, and and, he, and uh, I, had, I had taken an old wine box mm-hmm. one July 1st, Canada Day, and I had nothing really to do other except just this project where I turned an old wooden wine box into a, a guitar amp, and so I had all the pieces of, of, of guitar amps stuff. Um, sitting around, so I just decided, and I and I made this amp out of a, out of wine box. So that's kind of, I thought it would be really cool as a as a as a stage presence thing. To so you made you put in a, sp- a speaker in a wine box. Yeah, yeah. With and with an old um, uh, Sazerac uh, preamp, and um, and it works just fine. It sounds it's amazing because the the tone on the amp is like stuck you can't change the tone but everything else it's it's just modulated where you can create that Neil Young sound you can create that um, uh, that uh, Jay-Z sound you can create like anything's possible on this thing Um, so it's you got to try it out because Jer I told him about the amp so he put on he, he kind of like customized that guitar to the amps, so it's kind of a two two thing. I've never really plugged in the guitar in other amps, but uh, you know, it just it just seems like it's got its own sound. It's clean, can be motherly, can it can be like grungy, you know, and uh, yeah. But when I first saw it, I thought I was like, "This is Stomping Tom's guitar." I was like, "That's if you if you, I, if you look at maybe it, like, it maybe it was maybe <laughs> yeah maybe Tom
0: just recently passed, maybe he's really upset about that his family is yeah but um i don't i don't see him as a character that would be a t- i think he would be like more than happy yeah like he, his guitar fell off on the highway and someone found it on the number one let's just say it was the number
1: one St- and tom from what i gather he's been such a generous person i remember um, hearing him talk many years ago and i was like probably about 17 or 18 or something like that and he told a story about how he got the cbc to televise live his wedding on tv back in the 70s and that was like a huge thing in canadian culture because here's stomp and tom getting married and he married like i, I don't know if i get it right i think he married like a playboy bunny and um and uh like chain-smoking
0: Stomping Tom, like, Newfie, Hero.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm sure she's older and she's done other things, but that was, like, the big scandal at the time that Stomping Tom is getting married to a Playboy bunny. And uh, when he was asked, like, why did you want to have a live CBC wedding? Um, uh, and he had said a really cool thing. He said that like, he had spent his entire life traveling the country playing live in all places, because it's Tom and Tom, Canadian cultural hero. Also, yeah, to that time. Yeah, and he had met so many people, and he wanted people to be a part of his wedding, and he wanted people to experience it, so that's why he paid the CBC and proposed the idea to have a live wedding broadcast. <laughs> so, so, Such a Canadian 70s thing,
0: though. Yeah, tune in for Stompin' Tom's it's like, wedding. It's, it's like how whatever whatever it was like every was it every Sunday? I don't. It was something that just happened on Sundays. Rita McNeil's like concerts. Oh yeah, concerts. totally. Grew up always, Tommy, Tommy, always Tommy, Tommy and Rita. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that was that was the era. I remember PBS had like the Lawrence Welk show and 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 Rita McNeil hour and yeah. Back then, you just craved anything live music like. When video hits came about and and you got to actually experience music videos, that was its own thing. But live music televised live on TV was huge. And I know in the states they had haw and they had all like their you know cultural live performances. Yeah, the but Opry. it was so staged. Yeah, the, the grand old Opry was televised, and yeah. Have you ever been to the Ryman Auditorium? No. No. Yeah, I I I only went after the flood because uh, you know they. The, the Ryman was flooded in uh, early 2000s, and I was living in Houston at the time. And uh, we made a trip. Um, and yeah, I never went to the Elvis Museum, but I had friends who'd gone there for their like Graceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had gone for their um, honeymoon and did you hear last week I think it was last week that Elvis Presley's grandson uh, died yeah yeah he killed himself Yeah, 27 years old interesting age yeah in music rock and roll culture wow oh. and if you see pictures of of his he grandson he like, uh, he he kind of looks like uh, what's her name Grace well he looks just like his grandfather he looks like Elvis Presley like the t- a twenty year old picture of his grandson and a twenty year old picture of Elvis, they're like they, it's so uncanny. It skips a generation, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I've looked
0: at um, a lot of like celeb, celebs versus their offspring things, like mm-hmm. clickbait, and like sometimes it's like great great grandfather versus like, their, whatever that is, great 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 grandson. Right. And I'm like.
1: Wow, genetics. Genetics are weird. Well, if you look at pictures of Elvis's grandson, in his like mid twenties, like right before he killed himself, um, he doesn't. You wouldn't see the resemblance because he had like pink hair. You know, he was totally just like black eyeshadow. He was really changed his look. But there's a few photos of him where he actually is clean cut. You know, hair done in a in a in a mm-hmm. side part, and and it's just and and people have taken those photos and turned them into black and white, and then right away once it's in black and white and it's it's that so clean, it's like that's Elvis. That's that's totally.
0: Well, a lot of looking like someone is really just styling yourself like someone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, like, there's probably a, like me and you both have like very basic facial structures of like normal facial structures so like in fact we have the same nose
1: (laughs) so like if we went black and white so we could play each other for halloween yeah exactly (laughs) like if if
0: you put it into like a picture of of, like uh, like just took the color away and put it black and white or if I dyed my hair black, you know it's just like
1: yeah, yeah. You can you can pick up on those nuances. Um, I've always been a chameleon, so I've always been able to change the way I look, and that was a thing. You can change the way you look, you change your personality, you change your way of thinking. And like it that also... Bruce
0: Springsteen song, which is the one Bruce Springsteen lyric I relate to all the time. What's that? I want to change my hair, my style, my face. Uh, is it Dancing in the Dark? Go to look in the mirror. I want to change my hair, my style, my face. Right. <laughs> and it's like a, it's, it's so honest, because like sometimes you do that, everyone does that, and they're like, all right, today I'm cutting my hair,
1: I'm shaving my head, <laughs> shaving my beard, you know. I like that line of that Bruce Springsteen song, he's like, where he says, uh, it's the song that starts off, screen door slam, um, but there's a line in it where he, where he says, you ain't a, Beauty, but hey, you're alright. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Take
0: a long walk to my car. It's right over here, parked outside of your house. We're gonna drive real far. Every Bruce Springsteen song is about driving cars in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Sandy, I wanna drive my car with you.
1: Have you seen Bruce Springsteen's one man show? No. He did a Broadway thing where it was just him, and his guitar, and, and monologues, and he talked about, and it's, it's, it's super intense, it's like really well done, it's really well written, and uh, it really is just like a one-man show, and people would just go just because it's, it's, it's the boss. And, but yeah, they put it on Netflix, I think, after it had its run, they, they, it, was a, it was accumulated from a few different shows, and they edited it together, but it's super passionate and he tells a lot of stories about him being a kid and just being wanting to be close to mu- music and he talks about like the very first time he ever got to like hang out with Bob Dylan and how influential that was and and, and it, it, it reminded me of the like the time that Bob Dylan met Johnny Cash for the very first time and how Bob Dylan like walked around Johnny Cash like he was walking around a big tree a girth of a tree, and he was just, like, looking boat, at this giant boat, of a man. About sizes, yeah, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Bruce talked about the same thing. He was like, when I first met Bob Dylan, I walked around him. He's like, he just couldn't Bruce believe. Bruce is actually
0: really small, too. Hmm.
1: No, I think they're about the same height. Well, I don't know. He's... Bruce uh, Springsteen, it's hard to gauge, because I've never seen him live, but um, I've just seen him on TV and everything... Is different on TV. I'm gonna Google him. He's probably 5'8.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, funny though, I was gonna, like, you heard about the story about Bob Dylan getting arrested in New Jersey, peering into the window of Bruce Springsteen's childhood home.
1: No, and no.
0: The cops arrested him, and he was like, "I'm Bob Dylan. I'm just, I'm just. This is what I do. I go to people's houses and like." That, well, that's true. I like believe my it. My friends' houses and look where they grew up. I believe
1: it because when he was in Winnipeg a few years ago, that was a, a thing where he, right before the show, he, he and a few of his bandmates got into a taxi and they went to Neil Young's old house in River Heights, and the woman who lives in it. She basically answered the door early in the morning to Bob Dylan, and 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 she was just like couldn't believe it, and he essentially just wanted to see the room that Neil Young lived in, yeah, yeah. and so she let him in, of course, and and he went up, and he looked out the window upstairs, and he just said, oh, this is what Neil would have seen, oh, cool, and uh, and then he came downstairs, and she was like in this surreal moment because I think in the news article she was like, here's Bob Dylan standing there in these like brand new shiny cowboy boots. And right next to him is my, is my uh, dirty laundry on the ground. And he was just standing next to my, and she just couldn't, that's when it really hit her. She's like Bob Dylan's in my kitchen. <laughs> that's cool. But yeah, they, they, that's, I believe it. He, he goes to his idols. Um, he was a big, uh, he got to see Buddy Holly when he was like 15 years old, and um, he had said that uh, just seeing him live when he was 15 like changed his life, and and a lot of the music in in later in I think like the that album Time Out of Mind with Daniel Lanois produced it yeah um, he did two albums with him and they're, bo-
0: they're my most favorite albums with bob dylan
1: yeah that time of the mind was he had said that oh mercy and time out of mind was, oh oh yeah. mercy yeah that's right but um the one that came later in the 90s um he had said that that buddy holly he felt his presence during the recording of it he, oh. he said he he had he was easily transported being 15 years old again and, and having him with him which is so cool He's very good at being mystical. Mm-hmm. That happens when you when you when you see an amazing live performance by like a legend, and it stays with you. You know, that's like that's the the one time I met Herbie Hancock. It was it was so electric because he took time and and uh, and he kind of singled me out. I felt from other people. Because everyone just wanted to like be around him. And speaking of Google, there was this guy who like went up to him and like asked him a question to say like, "Hey man, remember that album in the 70s, Blah blah blah. And he asked him a question, and Herbie Hancock just looked at him and he says, "I don't know. Google it." <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> Bruce
0: Springsteen is five foot ten inches. Tall. Is he? Oh,
1: okay, so you're close. <laughs> no, he's. Well, I'm five. I, I'm five ten. I think yeah. that's what it it's says. It's the my perfect drivers. Obviously, he's the perfect height. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's why he's got those beauty issues
0: (laughs) (laughs) so anyway go on about Herbie
1: Hancock oh yeah um so I was a photographer uh for um jazz festival a few years and uh he was playing a big show at um at the Walker Theatre and uh which is now the Burton Cummings Theatre obviously but um I remember getting there early because I ne- never had been to that theater ever. I'd never seen a show. I didn't know anything, but I was allowed backstage access, and I and I wanted to set up my camera gear and stuff. And when I got there, um, John Coltrane's son's name is Ravi, and there was rumor that John Coltrane's son was. Traveling with Herbie and his crew during that that tour and um, That festival so when I got there early All these security guards were like who are you and I'm trying to go through these back doors and I'm like Oh, I'm Ravi and, he, and they were like, oh, you're Ravi. Oh, come on in and, and, and so and they like took me up to the green room and said help you make yourself comfortable and and I, and I was like, yeah, I just thought I'd come early before the show starts, and I just wanted to put my stuff ar- around. And they were like, no problem, they treated me like royalty. And, and it was only later that I discovered that they, they just assumed that I was John Cauldron's son. That's what I was in. So anyways, so Herbie and his crew come, and that was the tour that Lionel Loki, the guitar player, was um, was playing and uh, with him. And Lionel would like dress up in like full-on African... Uh, you know village uh, uh like cultural um you know out costume not costume but you know his 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 look was like that um and and when he played guitar he has he has that way of like you know like you know like uh, uh a lot of i don't know what it's called but ethnic african t- uh tick talking or you know when you when you sing you will know, no. I don't know anything about any culture except Western culture. Really, oh, okay. So. Well, that's the, that's anyway. the thing about Lionel Loki. He infused jazz guitar with his traditional African roots, and he would go into this right. So, so it's rhythm. He's he's bringing a rhythm. Yeah, he's to, but he's good at it, and he yeah. does that with his guitar. He does a lot of hammer ons and pull offs, and and, uh, and he and he, uh, and he and he and he synchronizes with his like. And anyways, so anyways, which is what all Western music is based on. Yeah, yeah. It's like a,
0: it's an infusion of like Celtic folklore and then like African traditional music. Yeah, that's,
1: it's the base be- beat of everything, what, I would think. Yeah, and
0: that's like they brought the beat, and I guess
1: the Irish brought the Keening part. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish brought the instant coffee part. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, love instant coffee. <laughs> well, if you go to Ireland, so I, that's, that's one thing I, I discovered. Everyone in Ireland drinks instant coffee. It's just like that thing. That's what I... That's all the coffee I drink. Yeah. Unless it's made for me, I'm drinking instant coffee. So so I was backstage early on, and the band arrives and stuff, and this one security guard, he's he, like, fucked things up for me big time because... Oh, so try not to use... It. The, the bombs. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's
0: okay though because you he used added it. That out. Is, I, I don't. <laughs> okay.
1: You, you used it in a normal sense. Yeah, right? so yeah, it's yeah. He. It's not a swear. Yeah, no. He really, he really, completely ruined part of the night because here I am as a photographer trying to like getting access to this huge show, heavy, heavy musicians and, and all my jazz musician and musician friends were completely just like I can't believe you're 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 able to do this and be a part of it and so the security guard like pulls me aside and said hey can you take my photo and it was with the uh with the drummer of the band uh uh, and and this guy's from new york and he's like you know he's he likes to hit things and and uh and he's just a monster in the drum kit and he you know it's right before a show and you don't like go up to someone i would think of that caliber and say hey take a picture of me And, and so I'm, like, all of a sudden forced into this situation where I have to take a picture of this security guard with the drummer of the band. And, of course, I'm, like, not prepared, and I'm like, fuck, this... Okay, so... I and ta- at
0: the same time, you're
1: Ravi, uh, John Coltrane. Yeah, I'm, I'm perceived as Ravi Coltrane, right? <laughs> yeah. and so, so anyways, I I take on my camera, and 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 for some reason I didn't... I was just so on the moment where I wasn't ready and I'm trying to like just you know adjust the camera and and the the drummer goes he goes I'm going to say it again but this is what he said he says take the fucking picture man and so I was like I was just forced and I took a photo and the flash went off like my little pop-up flash and I didn't want the flash to go off but it went off and Herbie's manager comes up to me right away and he says okay so there's no photography in this show at all we're just gonna kill it and I was just like oh I'm so sorry I didn't and I had to apologize on behalf of the security guard who didn't really care he just wanted his photo with with this guy so anyways I like I pleaded with the guy I was like can you just give me three minutes as soon as the show starts and I'll just just give me three minute rule I'll just take all the photos I could get in three minutes and then I'll put my cameras away so the guy was like okay I was like thank you and so the show started. I went. I took all the photos. I, 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 I ran to one end of the auditorium. Took photos. I ran backstage. Got side shots. I ran into the pit. I took photos. I, I just I, as much as I could in three minutes. I was sweating bullets. And then finally, I went backstage and I went to the side stage and I put my camera gear away and I just sat on a chair that was there by the side stage and I watched some of the I watched the show. And then Herbie. He comes out from during the performance of one of these shows and uh, in the set, and uh, and he's standing right next to me. So I I, I like I went up to him in, in a really quiet voice. and I don't know why I said this, but I was like, Herb, Herb, do you want to sit down? You know, because I had the only chair, and he goes, Oh no, 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 man, you sit down, you sit down, you sit down here. And he pulls this like roadie case that was on caster wheels, you know, that kept some sort of, like, um, mixing table of some sort or some gear in it. And he pulled it up next to me and he sat down and he goes, oh, I can, I can sit down, it's fine. And he started swiveling it around. He's like, no, it's good, it's good, that's fine. And I was like, are you sure? You don't want to sit down on the chair? And he goes, no, you sit down. So I got to sit down next to Herbie for some of Lionel Loki's solo. And Herbie kept, like, Pulling me over, and he goes, "Check this out. This is gonna be. really good. This is, really this is a really good part. This is a real good part. This is good part." And so I'm here. I'm just like sitting next to Herbie, and and I could see part of the audience, you know, because we were just side yeah. stage, and I had my friends in the audience, and one of my friends is is a jazz guy, and he looked right at me, and he was like, he had his tongue in his mouth, like it was like, like a big hot dog, and he was just like drooling, and he was just like. He he was just like, I can't believe you're sitting It's a Herbie Hancock. So anyways after Herbie like takes on his keytar, you know, he puts on his keytar mm-hmm. and and there were all these wires out and I saw flashlights, I picked up the flashlight and I shined it on the wires as he was walking on stage. But he started playing the guitar the guitar before he got on stage and as he was playing he kept looking at me and I felt like Uh, where am I you know here I am like in this you know this the sound is just traveling and he's playing his guitar and I'm shining the flashlight on these cables and I'm becoming part of the roadie scene and then he walks up on stage and he does you know they do the set and it's so alive it's so electric it's so hot it's so on and I just felt so part of this amazing energy Anyways, so after the show, there was like the camaraderie of all the musicians Where they're just like fist bumping and they're giving all these like, that was amazing. The show's over, right? And the place just fills up with people backstage. All the people in the festival, all the musicians, they all want to meet Kirby and they come up. And so I'm like, okay, this is like my, the part, that's, the room is filling up. I'm like, I can't be really... I, you know, I'm, my my time is gone. I gotta leave, right? So I'm I'm getting my camera gear and stuff, and and that's when uh, the dude was asking him about that question about the this jazz album, and he was like, I don't know, man, just Google it, which I got a kick out of because I still say that to this day. I'm, whenever someone asks you a question, I just keep saying like, I don't know, man, Google it, and I say it in like a Herbie Hancock way. So, anyways, it's it's getting to that intense part where it's time to go. And Herbie walks through the doorway, yeah. And I'm talking to his manager, asking him like, "Hey, so what do you guys got planned? Where are you going next?" And like, you know, and and his manager said "Oh, we got a gig where we're on a week on some yacht in the Mediterranean. Some 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 sultan hired hired uh, uh, hired Herbie to uh, to play a week on his yacht." And I was like, "That's really cool." And and then all of a sudden, Herbie's like saying something from the doorway which is about 20 feet away from us and and i realized like the whole place is just sort of like looking like around in a weird way and herbie's pointing at me and he goes hey man hey man am i gonna see you again i'm gonna see you again Wait. and i was just like yeah yeah of course and he goes all right man you, you you come to one of our shows you come to you come to one of our shows and say hi we, we hang out i gotta go he said you're cool you're cool and i was just like speechless. And so he left and the manager looked at me and he shook my hand and, and he gave me a card and, and I said, and and I had with me Elizabeth Shepard, who's a friend of mine, uh, a Canadian jazz uh, vocalist and really amazing musician and I had gone on tour with her years ago um, and I took photos of her at the Junos and, and I went on a couple early tours with her f- uh, f- uh, taking photos of, her, her, of the tour and, and she's a huge Herbie Hancock fan, and I had one of her CDs with her. Mm-hmm. So I gave it to the manager. I said, could you give this to Herbie? Because one of my friends is a musician, and she loves Herbie, and she'd love, I'm sure she'd love for him to listen to it. And I go, oh yeah, and he took it. And of course, that night I went home and I called my friend, Scott Camp, who's a jazz musician in Toronto, and I was like, I left a long message on his machine." Like, man, you know what I said? I just met Herbie Hancock, and I was like, just totally like this little kid, right? So then four years later, Liz, she's putting out uh, an album and one of the music videos, Lionel Loki is the guitar player on her album, on that one tune. And I don't know if it was like attributed, but it was like connection or I've never asked Elizabeth about that because she does her own networking and she's like, she's super talented in in the scene of, of music and stuff, but I was just like blown away when I saw that video, I was like, there's Lionel Loki playing guitar on Elizabeth's track, you know, I was just completely, you know, thrown, thrown out of the loop. Well,
0: life is, I don't know, as a person, life is literally, all these people are just people, and people like people, and you get to meet people by being, in by doing the things you like and then you you end up in situations with like-minded people
1: exactly yeah like exactly I I I gotta say like there was a time when I was a photographer where you're just in a spot and I (coughs) I was I tried to be as professional as I could because I'm not one of these people that like get pulled aside by some lame security guard saying take a picture of me and take a picture you know, I was like, but for some reason, I was young, I was stupid, and I was like, okay, and and it kind of ruined the night. But in a way, <laughs> if I didn't have that three-minute, you know, of taking photos, I got the shots, you know, and I got the entire night to just watch the show and experience it. But even like to this day, that energy of feeling that I can understand why Bob Dylan would be in the room of Neil Young and in in in, in those sort of peeking windows just to be close to sort of the what they saw because it's kind of the electric feeling of like moving and continuing on that creative canon and that process
0: it's also just very much like him like he literally traveled to new york to meet uh, woody guthrie woody guthrie yeah on his deathbed
1: and he became friends with him
0: yeah that's just that's who he is he's like i'm going i'm going to find the people i need to find
1: yeah yeah, that's and like I'm not
0: That's brave
1: That's the, that's the line I'm walking the that's road That many work. men have walked down
0: That's it's I imagine the courage It would take To just be like I don't know you But I admire what you do mm-hmm. And I'm going to show up At your door
1: Well, I, I tried and to else, do that I
0: mean, that's creepy if, Many times if, if, But sometimes it doesn't work out It's creepy for if, if your intentions are sexual But if, if it's about Intellectual Like it's just—it's finding the wise old man on the hill. that's, yeah. Di- that's different. Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's to be close to it I and mean, just to be a part of that energy and be close to it. Um, yeah, I when I was when I was in university, my first year, I was 18 years old. I was a huge fan. Of, I was a photographer then, and I was a huge fan of uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson. And and he's this he's this famous photographer who in the 30s and 40s invented the idea of the decisive moment in photography art history where he believed in taking a lot of photos but being at the right time and just getting that exact decisive shot and that's it and once you got it you stop taking photos and he was an old... Knowing when to stop. Knowing when to stop, yeah. Don't just continue.
0: That's... For photography that must be new but like for painting that is essentially the essential like if you're painting something, there is a point where you're like, it's good, and then you add one more brush stroke with a color.
1: Changes everything.
0: It ruins everything, and you have to basically restart a painting.
1: Yeah, yeah, repaint, or yeah, or just leave it to the side. But um, yeah, knowing when to stop is, with every art, Yeah,
0: is that's part of it. Like writing a song, knowing when to stop.
1: Yeah, exactly. And sometimes sometimes you book. can rework a poem and rework a song and, and try to reach for perfection. And, and yeah, it's really hard to... Uh, yeah, it's hard to... Um, that saying, like, try writing a song. It's easier than I think than you think. You know, that's... <laughs> it's not the case, but that's... <laughs> yeah. Well, you write a whole song, so... But
0: I also think, like, it's in the editing... So, on both spectrums, both are correct.
1: Mm. Yeah, that—that's a—that's—that's that's like thinking in terms of an artist, thinking in terms of a musician, and that's to me. I find it like I have a lot of musician friends, especially in Winnipeg. I hear it a lot where they consider themselves an artist, but I kind of distinguish it. I I see like if you're a musician, you're a musician, and that's in its in its own art form. But a lot of musicians speak of themselves as artists, mm-hmm. and. I differentiate that because I come from a visual, fine arts background where I see it as a whole other profession and a whole other way of thinking. I agree with you. uh, Yeah, so it's a kind of a fine line because a lot of musicians see themselves as artists. I refer to myself as a poet, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to sort of, at some point, define or label yourself in some way because you have to be able to have a conversation. Imagine if you were
0: around saying you were a scientist and Because I Dr. like to Bill. read Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Did he actually say that? Does he no, think of himself a uh, Probably. Himself? That's kinda like know. Bill Gates calling himself a scientist. He, although he funds a lot of scientists and he funds like his money goes towards it, but he gets to be the spokesman for a lot of science talks because you know, he he funds a lot of it. But he's not a scientist. No, he's just he's just a nerd yeah with with, uh, with a also really he's ugly with a well he's got a, he's got a he's got a he's got a he's got a sincere heart I think although it was like fueled a lot by changing the world and but, with capitalism but um, I think after a certain point you know he 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 basically you know convinced a lot of his 1% rich friends to leave a lot of their wealth to him and to start the Belinda Gates and um, foundation um, and uh, and you know the money is really put being put towards science and improving. Like they've done a lot of improvements with malaria, um, and uh, and uh, what's the other dysentery um, diarrhea? Well, they,
0: dysentery just means you poop yourself to death.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he, so yeah, he's put a lot of money. I know when. That's I, how. Um, I know in India. What's it called? Not cholera. The other one. Cholera. Yeah,
0: not cholera, the 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 one that starts with a T. J. I don't know. But all I'm saying is, if he was Paul Newman, he I'd follow him down to the end of the earth. I'd even. I'd
1: even buy a salad dressing. (laughs) Yeah, he's not Paul Newman. Have you tried Bill Gates' salad dressing? It's so good. (laughs) Would you, you though? Like, if
0: (laughs) Bill Gates' face was on a salsa, would you buy that salsa? No.
1: No, probably not. (laughs) That's, like, that's my point. It's, like, a lot of... I would love to see spoof videos of him wearing a sombrero advertising salsa <laughs> <laughs> that'd be like the salsa to avoid it would be the dysentery salsa oh my god that's hilarious but anyways getting back to uh trying to i was in paris and i was trying to, i was at the gates of this estate where i knew Henri cartier berzon lived and resided and he was well into his 80s and uh I was at the gate and I was talking to the gatekeeper and of course he spoke French and my French is hardly, you know, anywhere there to just, I can converse just basics and, and uh, I'm trying to explain to him that I come all this way to meet him and I, and I wanted to photograph him and take a portrait of him and, and, and the guy at the gate was just like, no, no, it was just like no. But I was so close and that was the thing, I was like, you have these intentions to like be close to a big cannon of creativity that was meaningful and like for the because for the longest time the idea of the decisive moment stayed with me as a photographer you know and and knowing when to stop and, and just i just wanted it that was a big thing when i was 18 to just be close to it and then like soon after that after that trip from paris when i came back he had died so at least i tried but i, I you know I like this idea,
0: though, about being close to other people's energies, Mm -hmm. like good energies in other people.
1: It's not even an idea, it's a real fact, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's why people have gurus, and that's why people have elders, and that's why people have influential aunties, and, you know?
0: Yeah, like in the... you mean in,
1: like, the Eastern way that people use the word Mm anti? Yeah. Also, in the indigenous sense of the word "auntie," there's like there's something very feminine and and uh, and motherly of how because aunties aren't your mother, but they're a strong woman figure, and so we don't, they're very ha- yeah, powerful. We don't have
0: that in like the white culture, yeah, Western white culture, yeah. But the w- the way like because I live in Canada and I get to know a lot of people from it. Also, when they say auntie, I'm like. You're not white, I know what you mean. Mm,
1: mm. Yeah, see, in, in my, like, string of um, mixed cultures, um, in India, even if this person is not your brother's mother, or your father, or your, or your aunt, or your, the sister of your brother's mother, if it's just a close family friend, you call them uncle, you call them auntie. See, this is what's really funny about, I actually just caught this in my brain
0: right now. We have, like, your best, like, your your dad's friend is called Uncle this, Uncle that. Uh, all these, like, all these friends are called uncles. But it's such a, uh, what's the word, um, patriarchy, mm. that we don't have that here, um, for aunties mm. in white people culture. But... At the same time, I always tell everybody this: nobody ever says they're going over to Grandpa's house. We all know who rules the house; it's Grandma's house, <laughs> yeah, and we're going there for Grandma. Yeah,
1: and you're going to go visit your grandma. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is your grand is your, is your grandfather still around? Not that one. No.
0: no. He had a time. What does your grandmother do these days? Just. I don't know, goes bowling, curling. Oh, cool. the has a garden. Just like rural Manitoba things. Yeah. Well, w- Talks about Mrs. the Blue Jays right
1: now, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm a huge baseball fan. Barb uh, and I, we, we have baseball gloves, and every once in a while we'll play catch, and, and it's like a thing to do. And uh, I took Barb... Um, at the beginning of gardening season, and we went to Clandiboy, because they have one of the best garden centers in Clandiboy. and um, and I uh, I bought uh, some clematis that I got planted along the fence, and I bought the sunflower from um, from seed from there, and uh, and that's are the, those that's those one. ones are growing? Yeah, that
0: sunflower just bloomed. I love sunflowers. Are you gonna try and get the seeds?
1: Well, I, I've never had a sunflower before, so I don't know what to do with it other than um, well, just watch just it turn its it. face. Well, <laughs> That's
0: yeah, beautiful. Yeah,
1: that one over there is a Virginia creeper, and um, those lilies just keep coming back every year. And oh, and, perennials. Yeah, and that uh, cucumber just doubled in size. We just got back from camping, and um, and when I left, it was just the size of like a small little. Uh, nub, and now it's like medium sized. Farm plants, wonderful.
0: Also, one thing I just learned is wasps and hornets really love lilies. Yeah. So, um, if you're gonna like steal your neighbor's lilies to give to your new girlfriend as a random gift on the way to walk to their house. Just be careful. Speaking from experience, <laughs> <laughs> this one comes with a secret <laughs> present.
1: <laughs> well, when we just got back from Hecla Island, and um, and there were tons of spiders, and I don't do well with mosquitoes, or bu- uh, and uh, so I'm always I've got like the thermocell and the and the and the and the deet and the and the bug spray always with me, and I feel secure with that when oh, I'm out in the bush. My friend. Gave me Vicks the other day
0: to, to keep bugs off. Vicks, yeah. like like the cream. On, yeah, like Vicks VapoRub. To mm-hmm. Put on my legs. It works. Yeah, mm, that's I one I like, haven't tried. That was a weird trick.
1: Well, it's it's funny how like the phantom feeling is with walking through the trails in Hecla because there's so many spider webs everywhere. So every time you brush up a spider web. I, especially at night, I would feel like I would just I'm I'm getting infested with mosquitoes, but there was no mosquitoes around. But it's one of those things. But driving back, we actually had a bunch of spiders that traveled with us on the on the rearview mirrors of the car. And going 104 kilometers on the highway, um, I was looking, and these spiders were still hanging on. They were like not being blown away. They were just like you sick. know, spiders can fly. Well, fly or, 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 okay. or coast with their web?
0: They can sense electromagnetic fields in over the planet. I'm not a scientist. I read an article. This is but, not some Bill Gates no.
1: conspiracy theory? This is not a Bill Gates conspiracy <laughs> theory.
0: So they can just put out a string... And the reason this was discovered is, is, like, at one point, like, some guy was on a ship in the middle of the ocean, and a bunch of spiders just landed on his ship. And he was like, how did this happen? So, apparently, spiders can sense electromagnetic fields, and, like, shoot out just a... not a web, not like Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but just, like, a, a fill.
1: hmm Like an antenna of sorts?
0: An antenna of sorts, and just, like, use that energy to just post wherever they want to go
1: that is a cool phenomenon to to i'm trying to wrap my head around just to believe him but that's that's that is a well i mean you phenomenon. can research
0: it you don't have to believe me no but no, I, no I I, i'm just
1: trying to like the, also, anything electromagnetic or any kind of a, you know like we invented a ele- well electricity, but we didn't really invent it because electricity always exists. Yeah, we right? haven't so, invented
0: anything. We just right. kind of poked at it. Yeah, and we harnessed
1: it. it and, until it, yeah. it popped like a
0: pimple. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, almost everything we have is by accident. Right. Like, all our favorite things. Cheese, beer, things that smell like feet. Um, I'm just naming things that smell like feet. Uh, popcorn? Popcorn. Like, everything was just like... I like this, so I'm gonna keep doing it. It's, that's all humans are. We're not. We're not ingenious or like special. We're just like we like this. We're takers. We're we are takers. We're takers. We're a species of takers. Yeah. So are rabbits.
1: <laughs> I go thumpity thump dump. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, know, how's your songwriting coming along? Like, what well, you you've always struck me as someone who's always got that at the forefront of your mind and music and and thinking of like perfect lines to the songs Oh, well, i'm always
0: doing it yeah. um secretly unbeknownst to the people around me mm-hmm. that's what i do i write songs about the stories people tell me mm-hmm. so um it's going well i don't know i've got i've got a lot of songs i don't have a lot of lyrics Hmm. I have the lyrics. I
1: just don't have the right. So it's a little fragmented. You got lyrics over here. You got songs over here, but they haven't actually kind of made. A I'm like to connect.
0: two songs away from recording another album. Oh, really? Right. I'm, I'm not a performer. I'm a. I'm a writer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mm-hmm. am a performer, but I I prefer just releasing music. So I'm really excited. And uh, I'm probably going to ask you to use your house for three days. Yeah, in come the, in the come, next. Come for next an art residency. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's what I've been doing. That's one of the reasons why I moved out to Winnipeg Beach um, originally is because I had I was a part of an art residency for a short film that I wanted to make. and and I had a bunch of people come out to help me create this film in the middle of winter. and I had never been out to Winnipeg Beach ever until about ten years ago, and um, I'd always just gone to uh, Gimli for Isla Dinga Dangaram for the Icelandic Festival, and I was and I've
0: never heard anyone pronounce that properly.
1: Well, I I was fascinated by Icelandic culture, and I was I was gravitated towards it, and and it, it solidified because when I did end up get going to Iceland a few years ago, I, I like. I sunk right into that world because people in Iceland, knowing that I was I was in such close proximity to Gimli, they all were connected. They all knew people, and they, you know. So that it, it, I just I was accepted in some way because I, I I was open. I just found their language to be so colorful and and um, and and beautiful, and uh, and so I started reading about Icelandic culture and. So I used to go to Gimli and take photos of the festivals. And I was really good friends with Leif Norman. And Leif sort of introduced me to that world because his mother had a condo in, in Gimli. And so I would get to stay at her condo during the during the festival. And, um, and that was my introduction. But I'd always just driven past Winnipeg Beach and never thought to stop until that one time I got a chance to... to to make that short film um, out on on the frozen lake in the dead of winter. And I was like, i got to figure out how to get out here and live out here.
0: If you you haven't made a film on the frozen lake Winnipeg, are you really an artist
1: (laughs) from Winnipeg? I don't think so. I think everyone's (laughs) tapped into that. Well, Lake Winnipeg is like the 11th largest... Body, body of, of wa- fresh water, fresh water and there. I, yeah. I, I, I heard. I don't know if it because I haven't traveled extensively like other people, but I heard that Lake Winnipeg is the fourth largest body of water in North America. Probably,
0: I don't know. I don't know about Great Lake is all.
1: I know Lake Superior is the largest in the in the world.
0: I, uh, I, I don't know because I had to learn everything in French. But uh... you ever write? Uh, songs in
1: French? Yeah, I've got a whole bunch. I even released them. Did you? Oh, I'm I'm oblivious to that. I didn't know that. It's okay. I'm not famous. (laughs) Well, you're not good at marketing. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I've ever, like, seen or experienced in music is when at Festival de Voyageur, that one time a few years ago, where you played, um, and you had that tent full of congested, congested people. And it was just you, and you had your electric guitar, and I and I stood there watching you play and perform for an hour or so, and and then that video that you made uh, of uh, of you riding your friend's horse, um, uh, that video I just love. I used to have that on my YouTube playlist, and every time. I, it would come up, and someone else would be around. I'd be like, I would always tell them, "You gotta, you gotta watch this. This is so great, so great." Ah, oh, I'm just.
0: I think people find things they like. I don't wanna. I don't like bragging. Anyway, we we're, we're, we used up our whole time. Oh, okay. And you said yeah. a lot of bunch of great things. And. Well,
1: I'm totally open for you coming out here and, and having a a, a a space a, a safe space. Um, to To be creative.
0: Um, yeah, this is such a wonderful environment, and now that I have a car I can use, this is great. Yeah, this is actually just a perfect summer day Kick us on Subaru. a porch.
1: Yeah, we just should go. We should go to the store and, and get some some lunch going, and uh, and uh, maybe takes the beach chairs out to the beach and uh, and hang out too. Yeah. Everything's
0: really wonderful. This is Manitoba. It's, it's a great place to live. <laughs> Unbeknownst to most.
1: <laughs> Unbeknownst to most. Okay, well thanks, Kip.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming. So that was me and Ravi having a chat on the porch. And this is Kip, and that was Kip Koke talks to his friends. We have a great rest of the time. Always. Yuki Chords.